Hey there, welcome in to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. You've been thinking about an electric vehicle that have lots of questions? We went to CAA to get a few answers you might find helpful. One of the nice things about them is they're quiet. Unlike some of the cars that have been breaking the silence of the night in Barry, we had a chat with Barry Police about that. The Barry Families Unite Facebook page started out as a way for people to connect during the pandemic, but it's become a driving force in matching people in need with the service as they require. But first, Springwater Township has become the first in Simcoe County to adopt a four-day work week. Monday to Thursday for some, Tuesday to Friday for others, a little bit longer day for everyone in exchange for a three-day weekend. Barry 360's Ian McLennan caught Mayor Don Allen on one of his in-days. This was a pilot project launched in April initially, and why was this step taken, uh, you know, to give this a test? Well, um, we had had some interest uh, from some of the staff and our chief administrative officer, Jeff Schmidt, uh, did some research of other municipalities. Uh, We had been having some challenges attracting top talent uh, resources as uh, companies are experiencing. All those reasons led us to look into this and initiate this pilot uh, program. How much was a factor of the, um, the, the the pandemic play in terms of people that were working, you know, remotely during uh, during the worst of the crisis? And uh, how much was that a factor in making this decision to explore four day work week? It was a factor, uh, definitely, um, because people we, we were we had a system of rotating working from home and and uh, and being in the office, and so uh, that started uh, us looking into um, different different. Uh, uh, work arrangements. So it, it was a factor. And the township did a lot of surveying of uh, both employees and residents. Uh, from the residents component, people seemed to find that, you know, the services, there was really no disruption to what was occurring on a five-day work week, uh, just at four days instead. Yes, but uh, another important feature is that we did uh, increase uh, the township. Out, uh, once we could open up the township again, offices, we did increase those from uh, at 8.30 to 5.30 to allow people to leave work and come and uh, visit the township administrative offices if they wanted to uh, have an appointment. So uh, it afforded more time for them to do that. So that was positive. And tell us some of the feedback you got from you as a municipality got back from employees in terms of the benefits of this four-day work week. We did a survey, as you said, uh, of, the, of, the, of the staff, as well as the residents, as well as council. And the staff, um, it, it has resulted in a very positive impact in their work, work life and morale in the workplace amongst their colleagues. Uh, they noted that it's provided uh, more flexibility to pursue personal interests, business, and spend time with family and friends. And they feel they've saved money on commuting to and from work. I guess the only hiccup, if you like, um, was the factor, um, some challenges around child care. Is there any way uh, the municipality can assist th- that way? We don't get into child care in the municipality, uh, but just having this move uh, of going to a four-day work week and, and, uh, and having the hours that we do have is, in fact, helping uh, to some extent with with child care as compared to what it was like pre-pandemic. 
Now, of those who did not participate in the pilot, 50% said they would reconsider should four-day you know, work week become permanent. Now it is. Are you expecting more employees, more staff to uh, uh, take advantage of this? Yes. Uh, I think when they see that it has been accepted by council and is permanently in place, I think uh, more of the people who weren't on it will definitely um, explore possibilities of going on to it. But there's, we're not forcing people, so some won't, but uh, certainly the majority are very happy to and are very pleased with it. And we've found that productivity has increased, uh, morale has increased, and people are, are, are contacting us to say, are there jobs available in the township? So that's good. Uh, that four-day work week is a critical component? It's an important component. Right. Yes, yes. It certainly we're we're a bit of a trailblazer in this. They're not uh, not too many in Simcoe County. I think we're the only one in Simcoe County. But as I said, there there are other municipalities in Ontario and uh, in Canada that uh, have done it or are looking to do it. And so you're a big booster of it, obviously. Yes. No, I'm quite supportive of it. Thank you very much, Mayor. I appreciate your time. Thanks for your time and interest. Don Allen is mayor of the township of Springwater. Born at the start of the pandemic to help residents connect, the Barry Families Unite Facebook page continues to evolve to meet the growing needs of the community. Everything from helping find seasonal clothing for those in need to offering crisis support. Barry 360's MJ got an update from Barry Families Unite founder Nikki Glan, who's holding an open house soon for community leaders to get to know the group better. The open house um, coming up is just a great chance for our agency to um, really showcase what we have been up to. Um, our our inception was um, via a um, the beginning of COVID and and uh, a grassroots uh, Facebook group. So we feel like there's a lot of um, misunderstanding potentially out there on what we are and who we are. So we are way more than just a Facebook group now and we're looking forward to the opportunity to showcase that to um, to our leaders here in our city, to uh, whether that be in the city council roles, in the school board roles, other agencies we collaborate with, we're looking forward to being able to show them what we get up to six days a week here every day in our community. How have you guys evolved? I know you're very active in um, supporting like uh, grocery drives and, and clothing drives, sort of. A, uh, tell me just a, a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, our vision for our, um, for our NPO is that we believe that in a community such as Barrie, every citizen has should have judgment-free access to the essential items required for them to live a healthy life. So we do that through supporting uh, our lower-income neighbours with grocery gaps support. We are a big um, agency that helps um, distribute, fund, and deliver the Good Food Box program that is run by Urban Pantry. We're delivering um, those to our our low-income neighbours getting them some fresh produce every month. We do seasonal clothing um, support and uh, situational crisis aid for people going through um, those little blips in time where they need some extra support, um, getting their household started again, for example, if they've fled a, an abusive situation or they're transitioning from a shelter to their own home and need some of those items to get them started again. Our, our warehouse is inventoried with linens and pots and pans and all those wonderful things to get people uh, set up again. If people want to access um, those services, um, how, how do they go about it by getting help from the BFU? 
Um, so there's two ways you can access us. We do allow self-referrals, um, and that is accessible via our website, uh, berryfamiliesunite.com. Um, but we're also finding a lot of uh, our clients are coming to us from other agencies. So we're um, starting to see more referrals come through uh, our system that are coming from different um, community partners, such as the Gilbert Center or um, the Busby Center, Salvation Army, Catulpa, etc., Okay, so you work very hand in hand with all with pretty much all the agencies, right? They'll come to you if they need that extra support. Yeah, you know, a lot of these agencies they're doing a lot of amazing work getting these, you know, mutual clients. I guess they become of ours, um, but their their focus on is on other aspects of getting these clients, um, you know, going forward in the in the next path. Um, so our role really is is helping with. Um, getting them some of those tangible items that they might need to either help stretch the budget, be it that by, you know, helping them get their, their kids set up with winter outerwear um, for the upcoming, um, you know, winter season or um, gapping some um, groceries in their household between food bank orders. Um, we, we're working with all these agencies, the food bank, women and children's shelter. So that is that is more our role as kind of a support um, to the work that these other agencies are doing. It's grown so much in such a mm-hmm. short amount of time. It doesn't feel short because we had COVID, but um, yeah. you know, when you first started the Facebook group, it was just a way for people to connect during such a weird time. Did you think that it would grow this far? No, I mean, I, I had zero zero um, plans when I actually launched the Facebook group way back in March of 2020. So it has really been very much an organic evolution um, from day to day, month to month, year to year now. Um, and it's just, it, it became obvious to us as we um, sat in this role um, hosting a very busy, engaged, active Facebook group. Um, we got a we get a sense of the pulse of what's going on, and, and we got um, had the ability to see where some of these gaps were uh, appearing in our system. Uh, I think Barry is very fortunate. We have an amazing array of agencies out there doing amazing work, but inevitably there are people that are, are falling through gaps, whether it's accessibility to some of these services. They physically can't get themselves to access some of the services they need um, or just it not being enough. It's no secret that inflation is risen. The cost of everything is on the rise and people's, you know, ODSP checks and OW checks have not increased um, accordingly. So everyone's budgets are really, really stretched. So we're noticing a huge um, rise in the needs of people and just the basics, right? Groceries and, and making sure their their kids are properly clothed for for the seasons that we have in this in this part of the world. And the clothing drive is going to be starting up pretty soon, I'm assuming. Yeah, we're we'll be launching that actually uh, the beginning of October. We're looking forward to working with a bunch of um, repeat community partners to be donation drive spots, and uh, we'll be announcing all of that um, very very soon. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Okay, thank you. That was Nikki Glenn, the founder of Berry Families Unite. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. You can make it easy to connect by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through podcast distributors such as Apple and Spotify. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, zoom, 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 middle of the night motor mania in Barry. And if you have an electric vehicle on your radar, we get answers to some questions from the CAA. Now this. This is your Cool Concert Listing. Hey there, this is Amy with this week's Cool Concert Listings. 
Jimmy Eat World comes to history in Toronto September 29th. Brian Adams comes to the Scotiabank Arena October 5th. October 12th, Scotiabank Arena also welcomes Michael Bublé and his higher tour 2022. Moniskin arrives to history in Toronto November 21st and November 22nd. Fair Naked Ladies just announced that they'll be at Casino Rama Resort November 25th. Sarah McLaughlin will be at Casino Rama Resort also on November 26th. And on November 26th, Three Days Grace will be at the Sadlin Arena. For ticket information and for details, you can head over to 1075coolfm.com. Stay up to date at 1075coolfm.com. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. Social media lit up early Monday morning when Barry residents were awakened from their sleep by the squealing of tires and the echo of a throaty muffler or two on streets all over town, posters wondering how anyone could stoop so low, and why police haven't done something about it. Not that easy, as it turns out, and the penalties are not much of a deterrent. Here again is Ian McLennan with Barry Police Communications Coordinator Peter Leon. How challenging is it for police to you know keep up with these people, these drivers? You know what? Uh, it, it, it is a challenge, and we know as a police service, and, and, and this is one of the most frequent concerns that we hear from our, our community, is how disruptive and disrespectful it is for, for people to have to, to listen to these vehicles revving their engines in such a way that it causes this significant amount of noise. And, and first of all, I think it's important, you know, our community has to understand, and, and I'm sure that they do, that they're not the only ones who are experiencing this. And this is a problem that is, is virtually, it's widespread right across Ontario, and we know right across our country as well. And it's, a, it's something that police services are having a challenge with. It's one thing to, uh, to be able to receive a call for service with, with some information that provides us a license plate. In many cases, people have called in uh, hearing the loud noise and how disruptive it is. Now, Peter, if it's illegal to drive with certain aftermarket parts installed, why is it legal to sell them, though, or can they be sold? Modifications to vehicles have been something that people do and have been doing forever, ever since cars came on the road way back when. You know, if if you want to have something done as simple as tinting your windows, you can have it done. But again, there are uh, laws contained within the Highway Traffic Act of Ontario that are very specific when it comes to equipment and modifications that can be made. And if you uh, remove the, uh, you know, the, the muffler and run what's, what's referred to as a straight pipe under there, it's going to create a loud, loud resonating noise that is going to reverberate off of houses as that vehicle travels down the street. And uh, right now, uh, under the Highway Traffic Act, there is a fine of $110 for that offense. But there are no demerit points assessed to it. It is not a moving violation, which is very different than if you were to roll through a stop sign, go through a stoplight, or even be be found not wearing your seatbelt. Would demerit points, um, you can't speak for those behind the wheel that are doing it, but would it would it make a difference? Have you heard from your police chief or others that um, that you know that that might need to be explored by the province? Well, you know we're, we're very fortunate that in Ontario we do have the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, and I and I can pretty much 
guarantee that the, this is a topic that they have been discussing as well. Uh, it may be necessary to uh, to approach the uh, the government of Ontario and and see if there's something that can be done to to hold these people more accountable. Certainly, when demerit points are assessed to uh, an individual's uh, driving record, that is something that the insurance company sees and gets reflected on insurance. Uh, rates from one year to the next. So, you know, that's something that uh, that, that may be discussed at a higher level, um, but in the meantime, uh, we're doing everything that we can to, to try to uh, locate these individuals where we can and charge them. But again, uh, you know, we respect the fact that, you know, quality of life is very important, but our focus always is on public safety. And regrettably, we do uh, have calls for service that... Uh, that are perhaps a little bit more stressing at times where personal safety is being compromised, that uh, that we have to attend to those calls before we can deal with noisy vehicles. And Peter, you had uh, some calls uh, to Barry Police regarding um, incidents or incident overnight, maybe one or, or more vehicles, uh, people being awakened by th- this sort of thing? Yes, we did. And, and it occurred within about an hour and a half period from about 12.30 right through to about 2 a.m., uh, and then the, the calls uh, dissipated from there onward. Um, but again, uh, there was very little that can be done without a license plate number. You know, if we have a, a, an officer in the area and they are not tied up on a call for service, obviously they can listen. Uh, and try to point themselves in the right direction. But uh, sometimes this can be a game of almost like cat and mouse where, you know, you, you can hear it and you point yourself in the right direction and by the time you get over into that area, the vehicle could have very well moved on into another area as well. You know, there, there's a lot of things going on out there and I think people have to respect the fact that operating a motor vehicle in the province of Ontario, it's a privilege. It's not a right, it's a privilege. And the Highway Traffic Act does allow police officers the ability to to lay charges uh, when when laws are broken, and we will continue to do so. We've seen uh, incidents on uh, in other communities, uh, and we've certainly seen evidence of it in parking lots in our own community here, and intersections where individuals have. Uh, decided, you know, this is a perfect place to uh, to take their vehicle, drive at a high rate of speed, create a great pile of smoke from their tires, and they think that that's great to post on social media. Well, you know what? Uh, those individuals are being identified, and those individuals are uh, being charged. Uh, we've seen it in other jurisdictions, and if we continue to see it in our community, we will continue to do the same as well. But um, I, I think that it's important also that the the community understands that you know policing in Simcoe County here is seamless and we have uh, neighbors and law enforcement all around us that are more than happy to to come to to our assistance as they have in the past and through this incredible initiative that we do have it's it's called erase which is eliminate racing activity on streets everywhere uh, and Barry Police uh, belongs to that, as do a number of services such as York Region, Peel, Toronto, OPP. Um, we're able to call upon those resources to come and assist us the same way that we go and assist them. Policing is teamwork, and we work very, very well with our, our, our partners. And through these collaborative efforts, uh, we are trying our best to make a difference in our community. That's Barry Police Communications Coordinator Peter Leon in conversation with Barry 360's Ian McLennan.
from the rip-roaring gas guzzler to the silent-running electric vehicle. Many people thinking about making the leap with the high price of gasoline, but many questions and concerns remain. CAA keeping a close eye on the advent of the EV, always with the best interest of the motoring public at the fore. Teresa DeFelice joins me from CAA Government and Community Relations. Teresa, are these things worth all the hype? Well, they're definitely uh, a, a big part of the solution when it comes to transportation impact on uh, emissions into the environment. There's still a lot of research and development that is going on to address, you know, some of the things that that concern people, Um, but they're showing promising signs to, to alleviating the biggest concern, which is GHG emissions. There are a lot of concerns for, for a lot of people um, and, and uh, some people who say that they're not as environmentally friendly as they're made out to be due to the mining that has to go on for the components for the batteries and then disposal of the batteries as well. Uh, what have you heard about that? In terms of what scientists sort of have said is there is supply, but we also know that there's a lot of research and development going on to sort of determine uh, whether there are alternatives or how to how to reduce sort of some of those issues related to the making of the batteries themselves. And, and so that's an ongoing process. It is a, a smaller part of in terms of a vehicle's impact on, on the environment. All right. You talk about uh, all the research and development going on because there are all these concerns, yet we seem to be pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, governments seem to be pushing these uh, through and, uh, and demanding that uh, we be driving them in the next few years. Are we moving too fast, maybe? I don't know that we're moving too fast. I think that, you know, the environmental concerns are sort of what's driving some of the things like mandates that that are being announced and discussed. I think the infrastructure is still a little bit of a challenge. Like if you live in large urban areas, you know, there's definitely more infrastructure, although improvements still need to be made. Uh, When you get out of those large urban centers or in other parts of the country, you know, is it there? Not quite yet. And I think that's something that that needs to be part of the discussion. I think there's a lot of stakeholders who have raised, uh, you know, are we ready if everybody turned around and bought uh, an electric vehicle as their next vehicle, you know, in the next year? And and that still needs some work. And I've heard people talk about power outages and, and running out of electricity. They get stuck in a big traffic jam somewhere or stuck in the snow in the wintertime. And uh, all of a sudden they've got no power. What do they do then? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, you know, power impact and sort of the, electri- the electricity grid is, is something that uh, is being discussed. I mean, yes, we're seeing that in, in the U.S. There were some, you know, warnings about charging your electric vehicle. Um, you know, I think, you know, specifically here in Ontario, right, there, in terms of the manufacturing process, you know, we, we're not coal generated in terms of making the car. Uh, when you look at a, a regular internal combustion engine vehicle, you know, there are definitely gas stations everywhere. Um, and so, you know, we still have to figure out some of the infrastructure to make it as equitable for an electric vehicle. And, and you know, the impact on the elect- electrical get- grid and whether the infrastructure is up to date needs to be part of the conversation. I know that there are, there are a lot of concerns. I think that, you know, when it comes to people buying them, it's, it is a, you know, definitely a, a thought process that has to go in because you have to look at your own driving habits. You have to look at what's available to you in terms of, you know, setting up the right uh, mechanisms in your home to either charge or, you know, charge on the go. And if you're out and about, it's not something you just easily jump into and just going and test driving a car and and getting the keys and and that's it. So, you know, this is something that uh, is definitely a work in progress. 
Do you have numbers in terms of uh, how much somebody would uh, save by having an electric car as opposed to a gas-powered vehicle uh, in terms of, of how far you can drive on, on a charge, that kind of thing? Like how much money are people going to save if, if, they, if they invest in one of these? People sort of always look at the upfront cost. And, of course, you know, again, there's still, you know, work to be done in terms of bringing down the cost of an electric vehicle. But, you know, you're not doing regular oil changes. A lot of the maintenance comes out of the equation. So, you know, that saves people some of those costs. I've heard uh, batteries are expensive to replace, very expensive in some cases, but I guess uh, you're saving money in, in the lead up to when you had to have to replace a battery. Yeah, I mean, when, when electric vehicles first came out, there was like, how long are these things really going to last, right? Like, you know, there was sort of, there's warranties and, you know, um, you know, are they only going to last 10 years? And then what do you do if you tend to be a person who owns your vehicle for longer than 10 years? What we're seeing is that um, the batteries are lasting in some cases, in a lot of cases, longer than, you know, originally anticipated. Electric vehicles are now getting the same kind of lifespan that other vehicles get, so there's also a used car market for electric vehicles. Are you driving one? Not yet. But you're, but you're looking at one? <laughs> it definitely would be something, you know, in the next vehicle purchase that I, you know, I think is worthwhile looking at. You know, I live in an urban center. I don't do a lot of long-distance driving in, in the summer, but we are a one-car family household. And, and so, you know, what we're seeing is sometimes two-car family households are finding that one of, having one of those vehicles as an electric vehicle definitely is a is a more enticing option or people who are just sort of you know not really doing the cottage thing but even the range on these vehicles is growing you know originally they were around a couple hundred kilometers you can buy models now that are five and six hundred kilometer ranges you mentioned uh, resources uh, places people can go to get more information i suspect there's a whole bevy of information at caa's website Yes, if you go to evbuyersguide.caa.ca, this is a, a bit of a one-stop shop on, is, you know, on learning about whether an EV is right for you. Teresa, thanks so much for the insight. Hopefully, uh, we've helped some people get over the hump here. Absolutely. Teresa D. Felice is Assistant Vice President of Government and Community Relations for CAA South Central Ontario. That website again to see if you and an EV are a good fit is evbuyersguide.caa.ca. And that'll do it for another week. Thanks to MJ, Ian, and Amy for their contributions and to Matt Ladder for pulling it together technically. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week for What Barry's Talking About. Thank you.